with so many churches in America praying for our nation every week, why aren't things better? Doesn't the Bible say, if my people who are called by my name will pray, that God is going to save the nation? So often we hear these Bible verses and they're taken out of context, and it leads people to misunderstand and mistrust the Word of God. And we're tackling these misunderstandings in a series we're simply calling Misunderstood Bible Verses. So what does 2 Chronicles 7.14 really mean for us today? Stick around. Today we are going to talk about how this Bible verse gets misunderstood. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Real life, no myth. Where we talk about myths and misunderstandings surrounding life, race, faith, and culture. If you'd like to support the Nick Smith Podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or you can give through our Patreon. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends can know what you're listening to. Hey, we are your hosts, Nick Smith. And Kylie Joe Smith. And we are so thankful that you have joined us today. Yup, yup, yup. We want to first shout out to our inner circle. We appreciate you. We are thankful for you. We can't uh, wait. Inner circle. We are whoa, shouting you out. Uh, we are preparing to have our first ever Zoom call with yeah. all of our inner circle. If you want to join in on that, we'll tell you later how you can be a part of that. And we also have inner some circle, holy new, conferencing. Yes, we have some new music coming out yep. uh, this month. Also, happy is Fourth of July coming. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Yeah. I wore my red, and I wore. You're supposed to wear. I wore red and white. You're supposed to wear blue. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Our whole podcast is blue. On. So that's right. Counts. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to dive into this, um, this passage in uh, second Chronicles. And if you don't think you know what it means or what it is, you know what it is. Cause you've heard it. Um, it's probably everywhere right now on your newsfeed. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's simply this. If my people who are called by my name, see, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Ooh, so we're going to put jump that on into, a pillow. I'm sure it is on somebody's pillow. Um, we're going to jump into that. But uh, first I want to say our, our thing that's been carrying this series, which is content without context leads to confusion. And what does that mean? Pastor Nick, what does it mean when we say those words? It means, I was looking at you like I was waiting for you to answer as well. I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you're on a hype. What I would say, I'm your hype woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the content, obviously the text, Mm -hmm. um, without context, without knowing, uh, who wrote it, who they're writing it to, what was the purpose of the message can lead you to confuse what the message is. Yes. And so you can misread, you can misunderstand scripture without understanding context. Yeah. And when we misunderstand it, like mentally, mm-hmm. cerebrally, it leads us yeah. to misapply it a lot of yes. times. So we may be doing things or we, we may be expecting God to do certain things mm-hmm. based on our misunderstanding. And we continually get disappointed or we continually, continually, continually. I wasn't even going to say <laughs> it. I was going to let that one slide. <laughs> That's a funny word. Um, <laughs> we, we don't get the results that we want. And so yeah. then we are frustrated and yeah. then we start to doubt. And then we start to say, well, the Bible is full of contradictions. Have you heard yeah. people say this? Oh, yeah. And people saying that, well, I tried that whole Jesus thing. And, and it, didn't it just work didn't out. work for me because it's like a pair of pants. You try it on and if it doesn't fit, then you just get Money a new back one. guaranteed. But here's yeah. the thing. You, you, if you don't understand what you're quote unquote trying, then you're, you're not actually uh, giving your heart to Christ right. and, and surrendering to that. And so, yes. um, so let's dive into what this verse, what people think this verse means. What people think it means. What, what they, they think what it they is. think it do. 
Well, first, this is most often misunderstood as a promise for America, a.k.a. God's country. Again, in our context, specifically because we're in the U.S., um, we hear this a lot applied to uh, nationalism. Yes, is our land. America is our land. And this is really, really difficult for us to walk in when we don't acknowledge the very basic truth that this was never our land, that this land was was ours. Americans. Americans. Well, and born and raised. More specifically, Christian Americans. Yes, evangelical Christian Americans who were born on this soil. On the soil. When really this land was stolen from kingdoms and queendoms, if you will. Um, But this this promise is is interpreted as being understood specifically for America. And the and heal our land Mm -hmm. portion of the scripture is thought to mean that it's a specific geopolitical power in yeah. in essence our american democracy our, our yeah. american system of politics yeah i think there's a, a misunderstanding that the u.s is likened to ancient israel mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. evangelical believers in yeah. this country we look at because it's been quoted that the united states is a city on a hill right i can't remember who said that in a, a political speech it might have been Lincoln. I don't remember right now off the top of my head. I think there's a lot of presidents that have said that. Yeah, but the first person that said it was like it was like a thing. They're like, okay. we're the city on a hill. Um, and so we like to think of ourselves as Jerusalem. We like to think of ourselves as the the holy place of God. Um, I mean, there's manifest destiny, right? Where mm. God said that we would spread out from coast to mm-hmm. coast, and and this is you know God bless America. And Providence. So there's, there's all this. Um, misreading of our nationalism into scripture so that we believe that this promise, God's clearly talking to the U S right. Wrong. Wrongo. We'll get into that. (laughs) Well, and also even, even misunderstanding the word healing Mm -hmm. to heal their land, like, and I will heal their land is what one of the things that is in that scripture. We think of the healing as equivalent to making prosperous as in a land where there's no debt, a land where there's no sickness, no immigrants. Come on. No um, problems whatsoever. Everything's just pristine and pure. A land that's in charge, that's in yes, power, that superior, rules. It's superior to all other nations Ooh. that rules. America rules. <laughs> um, so we, we tend to misunderstand not just yeah. who is being talked to, but what actually the words mean when we talk about healing. Yeah. And so this is generally what this means. Also, um, to some people. Not what it means. What no, sorry, what people think it means. And um, people also tend to think that it means we just need to pray more. Yeah, but it's just you know what? All we just need to, we just need to pray. We just get on our knees. We need to pray for this land. This country's going to heck in a handcart. And if churches would just pray more, and if they would repent more, and again, y'all, I used to live in a small town that had one church for every, I think, thirty-eight people. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was still crime. There was still murder. uh, Murder. There was still suicide. Nonsense in this town. Abuse. I'm sorry. I'm just Um, listing off the things that were still in existence. Yeah. Sick people. Floods, fires, <laughs> conflict. So the thing is, it's not about just praying more. Like, cause that's where we, we, we get off track. Like, mm-hmm. well, churches just need to pray more. Yeah. Cause that's what this says. If my people, right. Mm-hmm. It's clearly talking to the church. Um, this is the misinterpretation. This says, if my people, people of God, the church, will repent and pray and do all this stuff, then God's going to heal their land. So all the church has to do is repent and pray. And mm. then God's going to save our nation. Well, and incidentally, we tend to only want to rally together for prayer when things get really bad or yeah. when we don't feel like engaging in the battle. And I'm going to use the example, like we talk about praying 
mm-hmm. for racial reconciliation. We need okay. to just, we just got to pray about it. Yeah. Which is something we are willing to do. We're willing to pray about it. We don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. We don't want to engage in the discussion and the systemic change. We pray about it. But abortion, we ain't praying about that. We, we are going out. We are, we are picketing. We are boycotting. We are, we are going out there. We are challenging legislators. Okay, but, but what about uh, poverty and, and world hunger and yeah. children? And we need to pray. You know, we, we really just need to pray more. Yeah. Okay, but so we, we tend to, to pick and choose which things we what need to really about. pray about and the things we're actually going to put on the armor of God and go out and engage and like confront yeah. the gates of hell. Well, and then also trying to understand my people, right? Because I've been a part of some. My people. Uh, I try to understand my people all the time. <laughs> I can't understand them. Growing up in uh, <laughs> different churches, I, I wasn't raised in one specific denomination. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing different denominations saying, we're the people. Yep. Right. Not Christians as the people, but. My you know, specific church. This specific yeah. brand of Christianity, this stream of Christianity are the only people. <clears throat> and so um, I. Churches have a hard time connecting mm-hmm. and unifying as the body of Christ in the first place. Yeah. To be like, well, we need to pray. Well, who's, well, who's we? we? Well, not we, that church. We, we don't pray with them. But they, they, you know, they do their own. Exactly. Can't okay, pray so, with the Catholics. Exactly. We can't pray with the Presbyterians. We can't pray. Come on. Come on, y'all. And so, so like this misunderstanding mm. of, of we just need to pray more. Yeah. And then like historically, this misunderstanding has shown itself to be false, right? That it's about the church saving the nation um because of uh this the second great revival great or awakening the second great awakening sorry yeah so what was there was the first great awakening the first great first great awakening was in uh europe the second great awakening okay, that yeah, happened yeah. in the u.s um so, so it really wasn't at the first great awakening in america i'm trying to talk about second great awakening <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, this is important i'm, I'm trying hung to get up this on the words <laughs> how many great okay if there was one to ten who was, was asleep and who woke him up <laughs> in the second great awakening you had all these tent revivals in the the expanding western frontier right mm-hmm. and you had all these these preachers that would go out and they throw these huge revivals and there'd be thousands of people there and all these people would be getting baptized and all these um ecumenical revivals meaning churches from different denominations would be there and they would have the whalers bench and they would come down and they would um, you know, get hands put on them and they would, they'd go out, they'd fall out in prayer and they'd get slain in the spirit. And, um, and all these people were being saved, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so people look at that and be like, that's what we need to go back to. Early mm-hmm. 1800s, second great awakening where all these people were being saved. Um, but here's the thing, a couple, couple issues problematic about the second great awakening. <laughs> um, not challenging the fact that God moved and God blessed and God anointed and God created um, a real sense of holiness and all this stuff, right? That God was doing great things, not taking away from that at all. The nation wasn't saved after that. Um, Wait, you mean America in, didn't become this holistically, entirely sanctified nation after pretty that? Pretty sure after the early 1800s, we still murdered a whole lot of indigenous people pretty sure the slave trade was still or not this trade but the practice of enslaving black people was still alive and active in the early mm-hmm. 1800s yeah i'm pretty sure yep. internment camps happened after the 1800s I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of bad stuff mm-hmm. that happened and yep. so even yep. in that decade um and even at the revivals so these huge revivals would happen in these frontier towns and people were like they were being drawn by the holy spirit some some were yes but can you imagine early 1800s you ain't got nothing else to do some dude comes and he's throwing um, a, a party meal and he's, he's really energetic and he's, he's preaching um, and he's telling, and everybody's going to be there. You're going to that thing. Like you, it doesn't matter if especially you want to hear. Especially 
if the cute girl who lives down the street from you is going, and her friends are going, right? All them you showing up. All them young ladies is going to the because people the aren't people haven't changed no. in nature. No. Like we tend to think back to this. I don't know which time periods you look back to, and you're like, ah, oh, we could just keep it. No, people have been the same because the human heart has not changed. Yeah, the human condition. Um, the remains. human condition. The, hu- the the world being fallen has not changed. There's nothing yeah. new under the sun. There truly isn't anything new that we're going to encounter like, oh, wow, this revival thing, this is totally new. No, they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And people have been going to things that were supposed to be holy and righteous gatherings Happened and have been temple. perverting and subverting the word yeah. of God ever since. Yeah, there was actually uh, one uh, major revival. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember Charles Finney was the, the preacher. Oh, Mr. Finney. Um, and there was commentary in the newspapers that said, there were as many souls saved as conceived at that revival. If you don't know what that means, that means people was you gonna get it on the way home. People you gonna was off figure in the it woods out doing it during the revival. Maybe not. You know, what? I would. I'm not even gonna give people that much. They credit. might not have went to the woods. They might have. They might have would have found an empty tent. I'm telling you, I'm not even gonna give people that much because credit. People don't change. Because people so, don't, and we, and so, especially yeah. if they were young. <laughs> Especially if they, you know, 18 year old, like, well, and back then 18 year old was old. So if you were 18, you was on your way out. My goodness. Um, And so we're going to get into what this actually means. But before we do, please, please, please like, subscribe, share this episode. If you like what you're hearing, you know, somebody else going to like it too. That's right. All right. So in context. Yes. Let's talk about it. This is a tough one, y'all, because Old Testament, we're not, we're not theologically or biblically literate in a lot of things. So we're going to break some of this down. We are, but as a whole, the church, (laughs) you know. The so, royal we. That's right. So first, what we have to understand as as new believers, or sorry, New Testament believers, as Christians, that Old Testament only applies to us through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. We do not, unless you're directly Jewish, right? Unless your heritage is of the people of Israel, you cannot just go back and take a promise from Scripture and be like, boom, as it's written, that's what it means for me. And even, and honestly, even then, even if, you, you know, my great, 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 so-and-so, was, was Jewish. Yeah. But now I'm so far removed from that. I'm, I'm just, you know, I've been Protestant my whole life. Don't just try to ride on under the, what is it? Ride on the coattails mm-hmm. of your Jewish heritage and, and try to subvert the word of God that way. Don't, don't do that. Yes. That's but not, I'm, I'm going to guess that mm-hmm. 90% of the people listening to this are not um, Jewish by heritage. And so I'm, I'm going to say that if you're a believer in Christ and you're reading the old Testament, you have to read it through the lens of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Like mm-hmm. you are part of the body of believers that are uh, represented in the new Testament by the blood of the new covenant. Right. Yeah. And so when you're looking at this, you can't just simply apply this. My people quote unquote, Oh, he obviously means the church. No, he didn't. When this was written, this wasn't written to new Testament believers. It wasn't written to Christians. Mm-hmm. This was a covenant. If you read the, the entire deal, right. Um, you have to understand that there's no America in the Bible. There's no promises to the people of the U S uh, this isn't to us as, you know, John's Mount Zion Baptist Church, mm. um, Pentecostal, Ebenezer, Nazarene, <laughs> missionary tabern- tabernacle of the Methodist Episcopals. Like this wasn't written to y'all. This was written to uh, this was a promise made to King Solomon, to a king of a nation of people, which was it was it was an, it was ancient Israel. What? Can't talk. This was ancient Israel. Ancient Israel. <laughs> and it was a theocracy. <laughs> it was a theocracy. Yes, and yeah, kind of. It was it, theocracy. Theocracy-ish. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. But yes, what you said, there are no American promises in the Bible, which is yeah. really hard for us to hear yeah. as Americans because so much of the pride we have as Americans 
that I do believe can be redeemed mm-hmm. is in taking the word of God and saying, oh, that's about us. Yeah. Okay, well, no, because America is so young and this Bible it's thing is so much older than, so there's no way that it was written specifically about America yeah. at the time that it was spoken and the time it was read. So yeah. um, there are no, and also there are no explicit promises that if Christians pray, mm-hmm. a nation will be spared. There are yeah. promises for God's people in the midst of national and social unrest. There are promises that, you know, in the midst of this exile, yeah. I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to yes. keep you safe. But there's nothing, you will not find it in the Bible where it says, if the Christians here pray, then the whole nation's going to be saved. Yeah, not even in the New Testament. So if you look back, <clears throat> I love that you brought up the exile. So, um, Again, I said at the beginning that Christians in America like to look at the U.S. as Israel. Mm-hmm. But if you truly look at um, what city states and what religious denomination and, and how God interacts with people groups, um, and you truly started to analyze the Old Testament and our current situation, we are a lot more like Babylon mm. and the, the uh, church that was in exile in Babylon. Because if you look at the Jewish church that was in exile in Babylon, the people of God, right? They were the people of God. Mm-hmm. They were living in a context that was not governed by God, mm-hmm. that was a um, pluralistic society where there could be any religion. You can worship any God you want. You can um, actually, if, if you denied certain gods, it could land you in jail um, because mm-hmm. they wanted it. Babylon, it was like, listen, we're a multi-ethnic, we're a, a rainbow coalition, right? Come Everybody on. has their own rainbow place. Coalition. And so anybody can, can be what they want to be. Um, just don't hurt anybody, right? And so looking at that, that's more like what America is. America is more like that where the, the, the people of God exist in the context of a nation state that is not necessarily against us, but not necessarily for us. Well, and, and Babylon had wealth. Yeah. And it had a social a strata. nation. And it had, like, there was a leader. Yeah. And there were officials and there was governing. Like, there were things about it that was like, okay, so people can function in this. Now, granted, the king of Babylon, like, took people from their land and brought them and was like, that's weird. Hey, you know, like US never did that. <laughs> never took people from land. So interesting. It's a foreign <laughs> concept here. Um, oh. But if you can imagine it, if you could like somehow imagine this happening, but at the same time you have, like you said, the nation of Israel being brought into that context and being mm-hmm. told, okay, actually God instructed them build houses. That's right. Marry, you know, grow your families, like work, thrive, prosper. Here, work, prosper in the city. That's right. In the midst of all this chaos. Yes. And he, he said he would protect them. He said he would bring them out. Yeah. But, but he said, while you're here, you got, you got to do this. And so that situation of Israel and Babylon happened mm-hmm. long after this promise that we're reading. Um, if my people, um, this, this was about the nation state of Israel. Mm-hmm. And if that nation state would humble themselves, um, God was giving them a force, um, not a foretaste. He was presenting them with the covenant mm-hmm. of like, listen, if you guys do what's right, you'll stay here. Yep. If you don't, you're going to go into exile. If you don't, you're going to be shipped everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that as God is presenting this promise to the, pe- the people of Israel, mm. talking to King Solomon, um, he presents them with this covenantal if, right? The holy if. Mm. And he's saying, um, if my people who are called according to my name do these things, then, then I'm going to respond. Then I will hear them. I will. And there's a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to hear them. Mm-hmm. I will hear their land. I will forgive their sins. I will hear them. heal their land. He'll also hear their land. He will also hear. What's it. that land? I hear you. I hear you land. Feel that land. Um, Feel and that. It, it's crazy because this is not the only instance we have of God giving a conditional promise. No, throughout all of t- uh, scripture. Yeah. Deuteronomy 28. Go back and read it. There's a lot of ifs 
And we, or we, since then, you, in the New Testament, since yes, then, since then, raised. and it's hard for us because we we know God's love is conditional, is, is unconditional. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. We know that God's love is His love. Period. He loves you. He's never going to love you any more or any less than He does right now. That's right. So it's hard for us to marry the idea of prosperity and obedience as conditional. Yeah, we have a hard time with that because it's like, well, wait a minute. Well, if God's love is unconditional, then so should my prosperity be. No. There is an understanding in scripture that God, especially with his covenants, mm-hmm. with his promises, these, these were things that he spoke with an understanding of, hey, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And some people might simplify this or boil it down, try to make it something different and say, well, this is, um, this is tit for tat or this is legalism. Oh, it's not. It's not. And if you know the character of God and if you study the word and you, and you read the character of God, you see that, that this was, or you might say this is, this is natural law. God's, God set it up so that if these things happen, then these things are going to happen automatically. However you want to look at that, but don't parse it down to just being legalistic or yeah. religious. Yeah, because honestly what God did in this was he brought, um, he brought the people into a land. Or sorry, he was bringing mm-hmm. them. They were already in their land. He, this was the establishment of the, the temple. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, the word? Uh, the, 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 thing. The, 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 you know, the thing with the people and the, 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 the stuff, they killed the things, uh, <laughs> the temple, um, because God was establishing his, his holy nation. And mm. he was, he was demonstrating to the whole world how he operated, how mm-hmm. he was just and how he was holy and how he was righteous and how he was different from other gods. That's exactly. the thing that there are so many Hence other, the holy. yes, there are so many other gods and especially in Babylon, mm-hmm. so many other principalities at play there was diviners there was all these there's magicians there's people doing tricks on people to try and say oh well, you should follow this god oh no this is the god i worship and here's yeah. an idol and god was consistently showing himself to be superior to all other gods little yeah. g gods and showing himself to be faithful that's right beyond all other powers that's right and so um so the question arises so in this passage it says if my people um who are called according to my Wait, hold on, let me get there. Read it right, read it right. I am, I'm going to find it. Hold on now. Hold on now. I had it, I had it open and then I lost my place. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, going back to 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts mm-hmm. to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their mm-hmm. sin and I will heal their land. Um, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And so like God is telling the people like, listen, when I send things to humble you, mm. if you respond to my grace, um, then there will be forgiveness. There will be healing. If, yeah. When, when things come your way that you can't handle on your own, mm-hmm. um, if you stop trying to fight them and you simply humble yourselves and seek me, I will fight your battles. Like God is giving the people of God a truth here that we can now apply to our lives mm-hmm. because we're no longer talking about, Oh, he's telling me that I need to pray for the nation. He's going to make America a Christian nation. No, he's saying when things come your direction as a, uh, a part of the people of God, mm. right? Because you are, if you are a believer, you are part of the people of God. Um, when these things, these locusts, these figurative or literal locusts, um, when these things come your direction, some people are scared of locusts. So I had to say figured and literal. Um, when these things come your direction, and you humble yourselves, right? Because you can't have repentance without humility. Well, and the word I think that gets thrown around a lot with the Old Testament that we have to address is the word judgment or curse. 
Like there's, there's okay. a lot of like looking at God's judgment over certain situations mm-hmm. o- over his people and over other nations as well. And we can look at these through, and we can even, even being new Testament believers and understanding we're not under the judgment, we're under the grace of God. We can say, well, if we're under grace, mm-hmm. then how could God do all this judging? And it's really hard because we don't tend to, we don't tend to understand that judgment is actually meant to bring repentance. That's right. And that the cursing, what we look at and say, oh, well, that's a curse judgment on this from nation. God. Judgment from God. Yes. Um, we look at that and say, well, why, why did these, why locusts? Why literal locusts? Why did you destroy crops? Why did you allow these things? Why did you allow people to get taken into captivity? Yeah. Well, it's to bring repentance because so often God's people forgot who they were. Mm-hmm. They forgot whose they were. They forgot the power of God. They, they took on other gods and they took idols into their homes and they began to trust in things that were made by human hands. And he said, you don't remember who I am. Yeah. I need to get you back into a place where you're going to remember who it is that delivered you. Yeah. And so it's impossible to truly repent without that humility. It's impossible. Yeah. We cannot repent if we're not humble and able to say, I did wrong. Not, well, I need and, to go back. And just so nobody mishears, what we're not saying is that God is bringing disaster into your life because he wants you to acknowledge him. We're not saying in your life the reason there's death and the reason, the reason like you lost your job is because you were too proud. Like we're not, we're, we're speaking Old Testament context. Now, reading yes, that specifically through, to this context. Yes. Now that we read that through the New Testament lens, though, um, when we are in situations that we can't handle, when we are overwhelmed, it's uh, and God tells us in the New Testament that um, really like he's with us through all of it. And that's the Old Testament as well. God being Emmanuel, walking with mm-hmm. us through the valleys and being our shepherd and being the good shepherd, um, that he is with you in those dark moments and he will lead you out if you acknowledge him. If you're right. humbling him, then you will have him as a resource. Right. Um, but before we get into practicality, did I miss something? Yeah, there's a whole bunch we missed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So My bad. You're good. <laughs> um, I was so excited. Going back to the misunderstanding we have in looking at this passage as specifically relating to America, American Christians. Um, oh, got you. Yep. We, again, what you said about understanding we are more like the exiles. We are elect exiles in Babylon. If we mm-hmm. equate America to Babylon, instead of trying to force an identity on America as God's chosen nation, mm-hmm. we'll be a, we will be able to engage with this scripture a lot more effectively. Yes. And we, we don't find anything that even says in the Old Testament, if the Jews pray, the Babylonians will be saved. Yeah, that's we never can, a part of it. And we look at the story of um, Jonah and the, and the whale, we look mm-hmm. at or Jonah and the big fish and we look at that nation. We can say, okay, yes, Jonah was called specifically to minister to that nation. Mm-hmm. He was called. But what happened in that nation is the people began to repent. The entire nation. Hum- the entire nation humbled themselves. That's not something you see a lot. That's why we only yeah. have that story in scripture yeah. where we can point to and say that. And we haven't seen that happen in America yet. So that tells me that even though we've tried to apply the scripture, we've mm-hmm. tried to put the formula in and, and make the religion work. That's not what the scripture is meant to do and to be. We are not the, the Jonas going in and saving this nation. Well, um, I mean, we could be the Jonas, but the church repenting isn't the same. Thank you. Isn't yes. equated to the nation repenting. Yes. And so we can preach repentance and we can preach humility and we can mm-hmm. teach people. We can model it for people. But the, there, this promise of if my people, um, you know, this, this whole thing, right, is not saying if the church repents, the nation will be saved. Yes. That's and, not what it's saying. Right. And we all can recognize that healing in this nation, in America, is needed mm-hmm. morally, spiritually, economically, socially, poli- everything is yeah. needed. We need an overhaul. 
But we have to recognize, we have to humble ourselves and say, well, we're not the ones that are going to save anybody. We don't save anybody. That's right. We know the church. We don't bring people into salvation. We're not the ones that do it. And if we humble ourselves to remember that, then when we engage with this and we pray and we try to model it for people, we understand who we are and whose we are and whose power it is that we do any of this in. And so from our reading of scripture, there is no reason to believe Mm -hmm. that our nation will ever be redeemed and established in the Christian, in Christian faith, in a way that is identical to the Jewish nation. Correct. And that's, Correct. that's hard. I know that yeah. somebody's out there like, what did you just say? Well, and that's not saying that God can't do it, right? Right. That's not saying that God can't do this, but in our understanding of scripture contextually, this passage is not telling us, hey, just pray harder and the nation of the United States of America will repent and will we'll be, be the city on a hill. We'll be the city on a hill. We're not, not the church. We, we, the city on a hill is not America. It's the people it's of God. The people of God. So, so um, if you know somebody that needs to hear this, please share this with them. Uh, send this episode to somebody, tag them in it, do something to let somebody know yes. about this episode of the Nick Smith podcast. Yeah. And as we get into practicality, there's just two things we have for you. It's really simple things. Mm-hmm. I think the first is to seek the good of the city. Yeah. And this goes right is directly correlates to the Babylonian exile of God's people and understanding that it's, it's not wrong to call people to pray. We should, no, we should it's never wrong invite to people to pray. We should be on our knees. We should be interceding for the nation, for the city, for the communities where we live. Yeah. It's not wrong to want what's good for the city. That's right. We, of all people, Christians, should want what is good, truly good for all people. We should uh, seek to thrive. And that's not saying yeah. live in obscurity, right? Mm. Um, do what God has called you to do, um, operate in, in, um, excellence, yeah. operate above board, operate in holiness, operate in a way that, that anyone that knows you, um, can't slander you. They just look to you and be like, oh man, they're, they're, you know, Kylie Joe, she just, it's always loving people and doing good stuff. So I, I can't really say anything, even if I don't follow the same God she does. Um, like, if I don't like the way she's doing it. Exactly. Right. Do what God has called you to do. And live that out. And so yeah. seek the good of the city. Vote. Serve on city councils. Uh, pray before your meetings. Mm-hmm. Like, do the things that you're supposed to do as yeah. a believer in context. Yeah, the Bible frees us to prosper. That's right. In the city so that our communities will be blessed. That's, that's one of the things we love to see is as we thrive, our communities thrive. Yeah, and then the second thing, um, we need to start shifting our focus as the people of God. We need to take our identity outside of our national identity, right? We have all sorts of episodes about this. Just go back and look through our catalog. But mm-hmm. um, our identity as believers, no matter what nation you live in, is not in your national identity. Mm-hmm. That can't be your primary place. Like you have to focus on who you are in Christ. And mm-hmm. if you are doing that, if you are focusing not every prayer about how we can save our nation, but instead you're focusing on first, what does this verse say to me as a believer in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Second, how do I apply? How do I live that out in my context how do I live that out with the people I live with with my immediate community Mm -hmm. how do I live that out at my job site how do I live that out um on social media how do I Mm -hmm. live that out in the way that I can actually affect other people and that's how um things change when every believer starts living out their purpose that starts living out of their god-given identity um in their sphere of influence then we're, we're not so much focusing on national sins we're focused on how can I repent now how can i lead my family in repentance Mm -hmm. and how can i thrive um by trading the like christian nationalism for actively living out the great commission Mm -hmm. that's good 
that's really good. That's that. That's what I was trying to get to. That's why I was so excited. That's why you're like, yeah, and it's the end. Anyway, yeah. practicality. Listen. <laughs> oh, well, get we it. we really we know there's so many other things we could um, tackle with this with the scripture and with this topic in particular. Tackle. But I'm wearing if, a jersey. You said tackle. Oh, I said tackle, and it's football. It's America's favorite nope, pastime. Dang it. <laughs> um, but. All in all, we want you to please, again, share this with somebody who you know needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you like this episode. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you can get more of our content. You can That's go right. back and look at our episode on Christian nationalism, mm-hmm. which was really popular. Or if you want to know why why should or should Christians support Israel, please go back and watch those episodes. And, That's right. Um, and if you want to know more yeah. about joining our inner circle and being a part of that, please go to www.patreon.com slash Smith podcast yes this has been the nick smith pod that's right podcast pod pants nick smith <sighs> nick smith pod man <laughs> nick's fan this has been the nick smith podcast we hope you've gotten a dose of real life <laughs> no myth be, be blessed, blessed. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode of the nick smith podcast we are so glad that you joined us and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week don't forget to rate and share this podcast and if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.